I like that you're dressed like an orange safety cone. I feel safe. Well, this is one of my favorite shirts. Uh, I'll show it for the screen here. This is. Oh, nice. This is, it says Orioles, but it's, oh, in, wait. it's in the fish logo. So I'm revealing my hippie side. <laughs> oh, nice. There we are. Nice. You like the Orioles? Dude, I've always liked the Orioles. I'm a bigger, this is weird because I'm a bigger Nats fan, but I've like, I'm, I used to be a big Cal Ripken fan. So I'm an Orioles fan. So quick story about Cal Ripken. It's our Alice CEO, Greg Siegel's favorite player of all time. Oh, that's and cool. I don't know if you know this, but my father is a writer and he wrote Cal Ripken's book. What? Yes, with Cal Ripken. This Baltimore is a small town. And so what? Cal Ripken's longtime agent. Are you going to say the name of the book so we can get your dad some money here? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, I have to I have to get grab the book. It's downstairs. Um uh and it'll come to me but uh <laughs> my dad wrote cal's book and i got That's one cool. signed uh we were able to get one signed for greg to greg and i i gave it to him a couple weeks ago um it was great that is awesome yeah yeah oh it's called what you're basically telling me is your dad's good friends with Cal Ripley. uh he's friendly i mean it's <laughs> it's, called, it's called the book's called just show up you know which nice. is like about cal you know he shows up every not day. Not missing a day of work. Yeah, for yeah, 10,000 exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, like on the point of Baltimore being a small town, like Jim Palmer, the famous pitcher for the Orioles in the 70s, like he was just like around. And so like we would like go to dinner parties and he would like be there. And That's I can that. remember like two or three times he, he threw baseballs with me in the backyard. Of, How Rip? Uh, uh, Jim Palmer. And I would say oh. like, and I would constantly be like, throw the curveball, throw the curveball. <laughs> you know, he's in his 40s. <laughs> he'd be Leave like, that man alone. he can barely move his shoulder. He'd say, I'll throw just a couple. <laughs> but uh, oh. super, super nice guy. And and um, Cal Ripken's a super nice guy, too. So That's awesome, man. Well, uh, look, I guess today's Orioles day on the pod because yeah. we're both rocking the Orioles flair, man. I didn't know. I didn't know yeah, that. not planned at all, to be honest. I was like, I, I was... But I had my Orioles hat on yesterday, and it was just sitting here. When you started flexing the T-shirt, then I guess we got to do it. We thought it would be good to recap. We're we're like right now. We just released episode nine of season three. Is where we are now. This will air. This will air later. So like, but but so we've basically recorded a portion of season four as well. And so we thought it'd be a good time to like stop, catch up chat about where we are reflect a little bit because we've had so much fun doing this that yeah. it'd be fun and I, th- I was just like cruising through the old episodes and i thought it'd be fun for us to go through them and think about what we remember about them and what what stands out um i thought that would be fun too if you're up for yeah that. i think that's cool man and like first of all congratulations to you man for like i mean this was your idea and uh you know it it made covid bearable but also like you know, brought us closer together as friends, yeah. but more, you know, like, but just as importantly, man, I think we've created this like cool alumni network, right. Of just people that 
we've always sort of been connected to one of us at least two, but um, now they're all sort of together, which is really cool, right? And then we get to share it with random people who watches this shit online, right? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a ping on Twitter or on LinkedIn from someone I do not know who is like, I follow your podcast. Um, or I listened to this episode with so-and-so who is a great friend of mine and blah, blah, blah. I just got off a call with a super sharp young uh, lawyer, um, a woman from uh, Connecticut. Um, uh, you know, we connected because she saw the pod, man. And she was like, hey, like, love the pod. See you're hiring. Let's talk, you know, whatever. And And the thing is, like, what impresses me is like me and you have a little bit of a profile in the privacy world. And some people have big profiles in the privacy world, right? Like think like Jules and these people, yeah. Trevor, you know, they're like at the intergalactic levels of like privacy clout or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of talent out there, man. That isn't like busy body, like me and you out here, like on video. Right. And like a lot of really smart people with their heads down doing hard work. And I love finding these people and, 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 and talking to them. And I think the pod has helped me do some of that. Definitely. I think there's also just a lot of people that are like pulling their heads up and seeing how this issue is not going away. It's important. Yeah. And it's like younger people saying, okay, I want to turn my career in this direction because it feels really interesting to me, but they haven't necessarily had the experience in it. And it's definitely been one of those situations where this show has heightened our ability to like help people and give them advice. I've had a bunch of people ask like, well, how do I get going in my privacy career? Or how do I do it? And they maybe like haven't touched it. They've been a lawyer or something or, or not, not a lawyer, like, and they want to know how do I get into it? And it's been really nice to be able to help certain people just because like you can tell like certain people have the muscle and you need to just like help them, you know, flex it and uh, yep. pull that way. Um, yeah, man. I'm, I, I'm, it, it's been a great ride. And like, and, and I think, you know, I'm sure when we're done recording this season, um, the next season, I guess, um, we'll sit down and like reimagine this thing and, and come up with a something, you know, with a new way, a post COVID way of doing something cool. So it stays fresh. But like, um, what a, this is one of the highlights of my career. Me too. And, it's been so and, fun. and we're not making any money, <laughs> which no. makes it cool. It's been so fun, but you know, seeing the engagement level go up, if you, in front of me, I have our anchor, which is the dashboard that we use to, to mm. put the podcast out. And like, you can see the numbers like just steadily, you know, improve and go up. And I posted, for instance, I posted Ami's episode last night, I posted it on the, the podcast apps a little bit early last night. And it already had a lot of views in the morning. Like, so there was a lot of, even without any, like we didn't promo it, you know, it yeah. just had like organically uh, listens, you know, a bunch, bunch of listens actually. So I think that's maybe some, some subscribers or things like that. So it's cool to see that it's been really, it's been really fun. We're not podcast hosts, you know, we're privacy lawyers. So. Oh, not only that, like our podcast is kind of ridiculous. I mean, if you really think about it, like, yeah. yeah, it's like loosely based on the eighties, but we don't really care. Like that's the part of it that I think has is most charming to me that like we're not that committed to some format. It's not clinical. Like, you know, we're not out here trying to act like we're the smartest privacy people. Um, uh, you know, it, it's just mostly like chats with friends about issues that we're working on and 
kind of brainstorming in some ways, right? Like loose philosophical sometimes, other times technical. Fuck yeah, man. That's how conversations. Uh, you brought up Jules. So like what, what sticks out to you about our conversation with Jules? Anything? He was doing this shit when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that sticks out to me. And he was thinking about the issues we're thinking about now then too. Like, it's not like Jules is like, oh yeah, now privacy is the thing. Like this guy's been working on this since the damn nineties, man. And he, you know, we all, you, you can say anything you want about AOL. You know, people have jokes and it, you know, it's a meme or whatever. AOL brought half the country online, man. Like, I mean, literally, that my first ever connection to the internet was through an AOL CD-ROM, you know? Um, and I bet you there's millions and millions of people that experience the internet for the first time through that through that uh, surface. And like Jules, I, dude, I was in high school, man, and Jules is in there, you know, doing the things. Uh, like, I just think that's really cool. And then the other thing that stands out to me about him specifically and his work is he's always like, double click like how did he like what you know like he's like in the middle of like the building of the uh you know ad supported internet right um, who was the first person pedro that brought up the double click abacus merger which was like something that's come up you know we've done 30 episodes at this point it's probably come up 10 times especially yeah. when you talk about the the, the founding people of of the kind of like ad tech ecosystem and privacy like trevor brought it up uh you know a couple other peter peter cosmala a couple other yeah, people yeah, yeah. brought it up like peter's episode isn't isn't out yet but like lots of people point to that noga brought it up like people are pointing to that and that is a seminal moment where offline data merged with online data no question. That was interesting. and there was jules so was, yeah so that stood out to me the other thing that stood out was when he like approached the founder of google in a bathroom like to try to, <laughs> That's right. to, try to like to talk to him about like uh about the google homepage. i thought that was sometimes funny. you got to talk in the bathroom yeah. man yeah then so okay so our best one of our the, one of our best performing episodes is with julia shulman the gc yeah. and CEO of triple lift what stood out to me about that one is just number one she dressed up in full 80s garb which was incredible she was a goat yeah and, uh, you know, just going through her, her career progression, what impresses me about her is we've talked about how, like, how impressed we are by her multiple times, but like how technical GC she is. And that was sort of interesting to hear how she like goes about, you know, getting privacy champions and learning from engineers and stuff like that. Julia is one of the most technically savvy people I know, period. Uh, yeah. She's also a brilliant lawyer. We've said this 75,000 times. When you combine that with just her easygoing disposition and likability, it's hard for her not to be in everyone's top five list of best no. practice practitioners. Like if you make, if you give me a top five, like I wouldn't put Jules or Trevor, those people in privacy practitioner top five. They're not practitioners. They're like this other thing. But if we're talking about like people like me and you that are at places doing the work, if you do top fives, it's like, for me, it's like rap. Like if you do a top five and like Tupac's not in it, you don't have credibility. Well, if you do a top five privacy practitioner list and Julia's not in it, then you you don't know the right people. But also, like, you're wrong. <laughs> it's that <simple. laughs> just wrong. It's hard because I, you know, she she's great. There's also a lot of people doing it every day, like at lots of companies. So it's sort of hard to pick five. I mean, it, it would be difficult. I think there's a lot of talent now, like a lot. Yeah, but if I got to win a game, a privacy game, and I need to pick my 
five starting lineup. She, she's going to be in my five starting lineup. It's like Magic Johnson, man. You're going to win the game. Like you got to put Magic on point. Like there's just that you're going you're going to win. You know, you got to put Jordan at the one. Like you, you know, there's a lot of you know Kobe's amazing and he's my favorite. But it's those Dwayne Wade, but they're not Michael. You know, like it's the same thing with Julia. I mean, there's a lot of great people, but I feel like Julia is is there. Julia, also, Julia is uh, Michael yeah, Jordan. Julia is Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Riveter. <laughs> but well, and also score. You know, Michael is. I don't know that privacy has a Michael Jordan. I just don't think it does. Um, but not yet. We have. I think she's the Magic Johnson. What a weird analogy. I'll tell you what one of my favorite episodes is, and it's a little bit of like a. I don't know, Homer episode, but the episode with Anjali, like, oh, man. it's so good. <laughs> look, I work at, I, I've said this, I've said this to my management. I've said this to, uh, uh, you know, people out in the street, whatever. I came to Facebook because of Anjali. Like, there's no question. Um, I trust her. I, I know she would not be here if this place was full of shit. Um, and, and I knew that coming in and, you know, when I was, you were a big part of me making that decision. Like, so was she, like she, and, and it wasn't like she was like selling me the decision. I mean, I literally came here to be her manager, right. Which is like a ridiculous position for me to put her in <laughs> right What before I came and joined um, and to discuss. Um, but man, has it paid off? Like I learned so much from her every day that it's outrageous. I don't know. We talk about Julia being amazing. Anjali knows more about personalized advertising and the regulatory uh, machinations involved than any human being I've ever talked to. Hard stop. What's so impressive about that is she hasn't been doing it that long either. Nope. It's the brilliance. <laughs> it's it's the brilliance. Yeah. She's, she's, it's the brilliance. Yeah. Uh, so, App Nexus in general as a... But well, who was her mentor at App Nexus? Julia. <laughs> there we go. You see what I mean? So like... So like she's got the benefit of having worked with Julia and kind of getting ramped up with Julia A plus, and then she joins here uh, to work on the hardest things with you know a lot of really smart people. Uh, and not only that, man. Like okay, so substantively, Anjali is amazing, but man, bro, like uh, ethically, uh, her principles. Man, she she's a values person. Yeah. Um, and and she leads with her conscience, and her conscience is solid, man. Like she's yeah. she's she's a smart, caring human being who wants good outcomes for as many people as possible. And I see it in her work every day. And it came out in the podcast. I mean, that was like a revolution podcast, right? Where um, you know, but and I get to work every day with her. So when I'm telling everyone that everything is racist, you know, I, <laughs> when when it is, you know, like Anjali's in the corner proving it, right? Like I I, I have these notions about things. You know, I, I'm I'm technical, but I'm not that technical. Anjali would be like, "Well, no, he's he's not crazy. Here's the data, right?" And I'm like, "Holy shit, I, I'm not a crazy person." Um, and vice versa, when I go too far, she'll be like, "Hey, you know what? You're that shit. No, shut up." <laughs> he's good like that. I'm 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 psyched. She moved to Massachusetts. I'm I'm psyched to She's be there, alive. man. That's it. She just spend, moved last week. Spend more time with uh with her, and now that we can do that in person, I'm excited. Yes, yes. And you know, her husband is the uh. I think he's the head of, he's at Moderna, man. So like, what a power family, dude. Like, you know, like just incredible, incredible. She's yeah. the best. That was a great episode, obviously. I think the other ones, if I'm kind of looking back that stand out, there are a couple others in, in particular, like Vivek. Um, oh, for sure, for sure. Shopify, who's- a, Talk about meteoric rise. Like, <laughs> what, what the fuck? 
one of our really good friends and uh just I, 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 that one we had a lot of laughs i loved the 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 question about el guapo was the bad guy <laughs> the, the racist movie el guapo is the bad guy but then we started talking about the privacy el guapos what are the privacy el guapos and like <laughs> and then we were talking about like how uh, how when you're doing product counseling it's a bunch of mini el guapos all the time <laughs> <laughs> and then we just we coined the term privacy by el guapo instead of privacy privacy by, privacy by el guapo man now vivek man like first of all he deserves all the like success he's getting because he's so smart um and patient and careful and yeah. thoughtful um but what a great like his timing couldn't i mean dude he joins shopify when it's like about to break open and then it busts open into this like game-changing world revolutionizing company that you know uh, to be honest has empowered so many people of color and marginalized people into business ownership and success and intergalactic levels of entrepreneurship and like you know vivek is right in the middle of all of that yeah he deserves all, yeah he's, he's the best i'm i i trust what that company's doing just because i know he's an influencer inside of it me too man i, I i'll look at their I, I'll go around and look at people's, like if they have a public facing DPA, for instance, like you've got to look at the work product that's coming out of a company also, in addition to all the things you just mentioned, um, that stood out, that conversation stood out to me and him. Another couple, uh, Mark Kahn, the GC at Segment, who oh, yeah, sure. Segment got sold to Twilio and now Mark took on a role of uh, as VP of ethics, which is really cool. How cool is that? Julio. Um, and the story that stood out was he and his wife, his wife is a baker. He helps her run this bakery. And during COVID, they delivered all his baked goods to the hospitals in San Francisco for free. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. Awesome, awesome one. Sachin was a great episode. Sachin Kathari, the chief privacy officer at Johnson Controls, which is like, you know, a huge company that does a ton of a ton of really interesting things and he had a really we that was um that was one of our music episodes one of the one of the early music episodes and he had like uh what stood out to me was there was an analogy with like Rakim oh yeah that's right <laughs> where where he was talking about like we were joking about whether Max Schrems was Rakim uh, <laughs> yeah, don't disrespect Rakim like that. No, no, no. I just, I respect them both. Uh, Shout out to Max too, man. Uh, I, I've met Max. You know, he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's doing. You know, he's an, he's running the insurgency or whatever. But like, you know, depending on what perspective you're looking at it from, but he's, he's a thoughtful, good guy. Um, but yeah, the Sachin episode was amazing. He's one of my great friends, so it was like an easy episode, you know. Um, basically just hanging out with my buddies but it was it was good man it was good we gotta brought, talk about, go go ahead. Ahead, go ahead. another one you brought to the table was derek zollner the gc at centro who oh, you worked man. with at oracle and my favorite part of that wasn't even privacy focus it was squinty. when he talked about the one-eyed lizard squinty the one-eyed gecko man one-eyed lizard yeah <laughs> but he's derek also doing another... uh, amazing things at centro and derek is a, a cool company man. dude like derek I, I said this on his podcast but like He's one of those guys at Oracle that is just so was just so nonchalantly brilliant that it just annoyed me. You know, I got to work so hard. I got to read all the things. And Derek was like, yeah, Pedro, that all sounds good. I'm sure you read a lot of books on that. But like, why don't we do this? And then it's just like, God damn, man. Like, why? Why? 
Um, why? But I love that guy, man. So sharp, so smart. And, uh, you know, I, I tell you, if you, if you ask me what I think he'll do, he'll be the CEO of a, of a Centro or of a similar type company at some point. He's that level of talent. That's amazing. Yeah, he's that level of talent. He's going to rock it. We got to talk. We can't have this conversation about guests without talking about your daughter and without talking about Keanu and the UPS delivery people. How many? Your daughter's probably been on the podcast now, what, five or six times? She's the cutest. Yeah, well, well so my older daughter, at, at the end of one of them, I forget which one it is, she shouts, Are you done yet? <laughs> Audibly, Are you done yet? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part is when you have like the screens in the back right like whatever the like uh backgrounds and then her head just comes in <laughs> through the back of the background randomly as hell and um i like one of the silver linings of of work of pandemic and working from home is like people's lives we touch on this we touch on this a lot in a future episode with Kristen, the gc of lyft which isn't out yet but like we touch a lot on like bringing yourself to work and in your whole self and your authentic self yeah authentic self right and the challenges of doing that for people and and, and like one of the one of the equalizers is like you're in my home now you're seeing my dog bark at the TV, the bouncing, <laughs> the bouncing screen on the TV, or you're seeing my kid pop in. And, and it's just, um, it's, it's equalizing in, in a certain way. It is, man. It is. And like, you know, I've worked from home a long time, so it's kind of cool for me. I mean, COVID is a disaster and I wish it never would have happened, but everyone working from home is kind of a cool phenomenon for me specifically because everyone's experiencing what I've always experienced, right? Um, you know, Mango, my dog before Keanu, was always barking on my meetings, you know, for years. And like, it's always been the same thing here. Um, and, uh, you know, even like seeing people's homes and learning a little bit about them. Some people are very sterile and they're like, I don't want to show you my house. So there's like a wall. But like right. everyone sees my office every day, sees my dog. They've seen if you watch the podcast, this couch is new. The rug is new. Like things change, you know, um, there's more dolls back there, whatever. Um and I, I kind of like that. Like yeah. you get a little window, like you don't get my home, but you get a piece of me. This is my space. I designed it this way and, and I, I don't mind sharing it. And like people get to meet Keanu. Like I live alone, you know, um, it's just me and the dog and, and like, he's been my COVID buddy. And uh, I, I love being able to share his antics with everyone too. I was interviewing someone several, you know, maybe a year ago and it kept getting interrupted by kids and stuff. Yeah. And she was like, um, I have kids the same age and I, I get it and don't don't worry about it. And I think it like it increased the bond between us. Of early course, on. man. And she, she ended up, you know, she's our head of product now, Daria. Yeah. And um, and it just it 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 made things so much easier to to understand, okay, like my my lifestyle is gonna yeah. be, you know, totally. Totally welcome here, given the stage of life that we're in and given what's going on in the world and all that. So, yeah, for sure, man. You want to talk about privacy? <laughs> when I was interviewing at Facebook, this is last year, I guess, summer. Um, wow, I can't believe it's been a year. But anyway, um, I was interviewing with like one of my colleagues now, and um, he's awesome. And we were having this great discussion. And uh, like the door in his off home office, this is in the middle of COVID blows open like like a tornado and his daughter runs in naked she's just ah, running, yeah. a little girl, and she's screaming and like his like nanny or her nanny or whatever 
is like chasing her around the office, you know, and she's just like, ah, you know, yeah. freaking out. Um, and then she just runs out and then Annie runs out and the door closes and there was just a little pause, you know. <laughs> but like that to me is actually like a beautiful thing, right? That like little, like, you know, I don't, I, I live alone, but like your door can pop open at any moment and like your wife is there or your brother or whatever, whatever it is. For me, it's the UPS man. I mean, my girlfriend comes around, but like, you know, um, and uh, and then Mr. Mr. Fourpaws so over real. here. It's so real. It's good. I mean, I'm sure that helped you feel humanized about that relationship with that person. Okay. For sure. We talk, we joke about it to this moment. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. like it's, 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 it's a cool, it's a, it's a cool thing. And I, I, I could see he was mortified, but like, okay. There's a mutual person that we know, Alan Chappelle, who's a, a longtime ad tech lawyer. He has to get him on the podcast. Yeah. He has a story about his son when he was like, Alan was leading a webinar and apparently his son walks like, like right in and is like, will you make me mac and cheese? <laughs> Dude, he wanted mac and cheese. Yeah. yeah. He wanted mac and cheese. We got to get Alan on the podcast. Damn, that, what a ball drop. You know, he works, he works with me still. We work together on a bunch of stuff here at Facebook. Right, well, so season five, we'll, we'll, we kick off with Chappelle. Yeah, man. He's yeah. super interesting, musician, all kinds of quirky things. He's he's really, really cool guy. Yeah, we gotta get him on the pod for sure. Yeah, I, uh, yeah we gotta get him on the pod. So so let me ask you something. Like, okay. And and we can end with like something substantive here, I guess. But like <laughs> because you know, we talk about shit. So the podcast, obviously, like a lot of it is social and you know, with like some privacy undertones, right? Like we're not here trying to teach people privacy. If you want to do that, take my class and I can teach you that. But like, um, but in a substantive way, Andy, like we've been at this now a long time. I've been at this like almost 15 years and you plus or minus. Um, dude, what's, what's the, what's the next, like, what are the, what motivates you to stick with this? Not just that it's new and fresh. And I hear, I know all those cliches, but like, substantively what's keeping this super stimulating for you uh great question i i think like on the privacy like for me i also wear other hats and so like true general counsel i have a lot a lot of other of commercial you know you've been in the commercial side of the house so i have the commercial side of how we're a smaller company obviously i have um commercial things going on i have what keeps me going is like ha having a great team like getting learning from them and vice versa uh growing the team growing the company all that stuff on the privacy side of the house what gets me going is like picking hard problems like yeah. picking like choosing things that are complicated and difficult to understand and don't have an answer and i can't i haven't yet found something in the legal <laughs> tech realm that that hits all those notes like yeah. there, you mentioned max shrems right? there's like there's an advocacy bent going on there's a policy bent going on there's regulatory there's actual lawsuits there's laws changing like all of that so to me what keeps me going is like this constant state of dynamism that's going on and i don't yeah. think that's the case everywhere else across other areas of the law and technology and so that keeps me going and then on the on the kind of interesting tech side a lot of the stuff frankly that's going on at facebook 
and, and places like it. So for example, you have an Oculus behind you, but for example, like, yeah, like that's interesting, that's interesting to me in the sense of what's the privacy impact on, on virtual worlds. Yeah. Like there well, is. devices there are, is. Are, are nascent, right? But we know that, that Oculus things like it, um, autonomous vehicles, um, all sorts of things are going to have data, data, data and data privacy impact far greater than targeted ads, like far, far, far greater. And the government's access to that data, all those issues are going to keep proliferating and keep getting more complex. And so that's what keeps me in it, I think, is just like you can see around the corner and it's just like it's both amazing and it's a blind corner at the same time. I'm super happy that you mentioned Oculus in your conversation and your comments there. I'll tell you what keeps me pumped up, man. First of all, I feel like I work at the place with the smartest people and the hardest problems and like that, you know, it's going to be hard to beat that anytime soon. Um, augmented reality and virtual reality are the future. I mean, we know this, right? Like the metaverse is coming. Lots of companies are building it, uh, whatever it turns out to be. Facebook is obviously out in front uh, of this and working really hard to be a leader. And I think doing actually a really great job. The, you know, I, I don't want to like be a, like a Facebook pitch man, but like the Quest 2 is an amazing piece of equipment, man. Like, and, and it's, you can tell like there's still some early stages stuff here, but like, man, if this is early stages, I don't want to see what it looks like. I'm freaking excited about the future because it's a really capable device that does a lot of cool things. Um, augmented reality to me is where the big deal is, right? So like my car has in-dash display, right? And that's, that's augmented reality, Andy. Um, and so like when I wear a pair of Ray-Bans that have that capability and allow me to walk into a bar and people's statuses tell me what I can and can't do, you know, like that's going to be cool. Like, just imagine, you know, like, hey, I don't want to be disturbed or yeah, I'm here to meet interesting people or whatever, like these types of things. Here's my Facebook profile. You can see who I am. These kind of things will be super cool. Or like, you know, we're at a, we're at an IPP conference and like my thing is connected to LinkedIn and I can see, uh, you know, people's profiles as they walk by. There's a lot of dangers that come with all of that, but there's a lot of opportunity too. Okay. Um, uh, Cause I can look at a room and maybe concentrate on one face, but if I'm looking for you, the device can find you and be like, Andy's right there. Go, go, go say what's up. Right. And so like these kind of things are going to be cool and I'm excited for the companies that are going to build them. And I hope Facebook gets a chance to lead. Cause there's a lot of really smart people trying to make sure that the, technology is safe. That motivates me every day. And here's why. I work on the monetization side of things. I want to make sure that as we move to an AR world and a VR world, that everyone can access this. That the the way the internet left behind billions of people in the 90s, because it did, and there's still billions of people, billions of people excluded from it. I don't want that to happen with AR and VR. And so to keep these devices affordable and accessible to as many people as possible, we have to figure out how to finance all of it, okay, uh, without charging $1,000 for a pair of glasses. Um, now, some companies have decided we don't care. We're going to charge a lot of money, and then we're going to spend a lot of that money on privacy advertising. Good for you. Um, but there's a reason that only 10% of the world uses your equipment, okay? I don't want 
that exclusivity to be the new standard um, where only the rich Western elites have access to the coolest stuff. We live in a world where that's the case right now. And that's not fair. And that's trash. So my hope is that I can help facilitate a free and accessible freezer. And what I mean by free is like easy to access um, an accessible metaverse whenever it gets built. That's so interesting. And there's going to be a data exchange to make that happen. And so where that where the rubber meets the road for people like you and me is, okay. what does that exchange look like? Right. What's the value? What's the value on both sides? How does it how do we do it fairly? How does it how do we do it transparently? Exactly. How, does how do we protect people from the new dangers all of this shit's gonna create? I'm happy to be involved in those, you know, and be as involved as I can be going when when these discussions start to happen and, and they sort of already are. The I other hope, thing I, I, I want to say quickly, yeah, quickly, I hope yeah. that Facebook, and you don't have to say this now or whatever, but I hope that Facebook is, is as one of the leaders in this is thinking about like UI and UX, which I know like is something that that drive that is that another thing that's passionate that I'm passionate about for privacy for consumers is like that the UI and UX keeps to imp- keeps continuing continuing to improve such that consumers get better visibility or better ability to understand what's happening with their data. We'll never get to perfect on that ever because yeah. it's so complicated. But I wish I hope that there's like I hope there's a corollary innovation going on there. Yeah, I, I think I, I, look. I, I, I'm not going to speak for Facebook on what is it specifically doing, but I can tell you, I agree with you. Yeah. And I'll say uh, also that one of the things that's important when we talk about transparency and communication, isn't just that you use cool videos and nice graphics to make things simple. It's that you understand that communication has cultural components to it. And so using high Western English to tell the world what you're doing is bullshit. Okay. And so you have to have local cultural language norms uh, uh, included as you try to communicate with different people around the world, including different people of different ages. Like you can't, like the way you don't talk to your kids the way you talk to your dad. So why would you talk to a Nigerian the same way you talk to a Venezuelan? That makes no well, sense. Except, except I would advocate for, for converting all privacy policies to calligraphy. I, well, right. My point of view is we should... <laughs> We should write them all in Latin, um, okay? No, but you know, like we got to think about these things. I know people at Facebook are, and I know people at other companies are, Google especially. I got to give them a shout out to Google. Like they spend a lot of time and energy understanding like cultural content. Now, I'm not saying they're nailing it, but they're working on it. And I think that, you know, that's important because they touch so many people. Facebook, same thing. The last thing I'll say about motivation, because this one's actually the most important one to me at this point um, is... You know, dude, I've been a privacy kind of wonky person for a long time now. And I think I used to be in the absolutist camp, like privacy as fundamental and critical and superseding. I've moved on quite a bit from that point of view and really am taking the position that privacy is a balancing act between many interests. Um, and some of, and depending on the context and the use case and the situation, privacy is not the first thing to think about. Um, and I think that that matters. Now we're all privacy practitioners and we think about privacy the most. That doesn't make it the most important. Well, the world the, the world has changed around us. I mean, like there's a, a global pandemic puts different things on the, on the table. You know, sure. our conversation with Sonia was really interesting. Sonia followed on it at Hershey. Yeah. She was talking about like 
the privacy considerations of a global production company with factories and what the data what data can be used for and decisions that had to be made on the fly like i think you were involved in similar decisions at salesforce like are we going to take people's temperature this is in the early days you know what are the privacy implications of doing that and the answer is like you figure it out like yeah you take their temperature you throw the data away like we're, we're, maybe like and i think yeah. you do your best. But, you, but the answer can't be, wait, that sounds like private. Don't do anything. Right. Like, and, 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 but there, yeah. And then there are other things like I am a believer in person, the value of personalization. I, I, I like we talked about TikTok an episode or two ago. Right. Like I, I really believe TikTok is worthless unless it's personalized. Reels is worthless unless it's personalized. Like who wants to watch a bunch of random videos about whatever, um, you know, like the, like personalization really matters. I think personalized ads are important. If if I have to see ads, at least show me ads about things I'm interested in, right? Like I don't want to see ads for I don't know, like pick like children's toys. I, I'm not. I don't. Why would I want to watch that? Um, and so, like, I think the idea that personalization is evil is wrong. I think it's patriarchal, and I don't think most people feel that way. Um, I don't. <laughs> people love being catered to, right? Like yeah, everyone does. They do. I think there's like obviously a debate to be had about how personalized and, and of course and what data you textual. can use to do that. Yeah, versus and, contextual. And um at Alice, we're always talking about like things should be personal, not personalized in our context. In B2B, certain areas like we'd like to be more personal. We're establishing a personal relationship. Sales are made on actual personal relationships. So if I'm giving you a gift. I'm getting to know you on a personal level and I'm having a conversation with you about surfing, you know, instead of the weather. And, but like, it's very different in the anonymized world in the anonymized data world. It is, it's, it's quite different. And another, yet another one of these challenges that's like unsolved continues to be. Uh, but the idea that people don't want personalized experiences is false. I mean, it's hundred percent false. It's a hundred percent false. People like I, I I enjoy YouTube because when I open it, it's giving me the latest update on the Milwaukee Bucks, not the latest update on I don't know the cricket team in Guyana. Like, not that that's not interesting, and for somebody's feed that is critical, but it's not for me. I don't care. Um, and so, like, yes, I want to see what Lewis Hamilton did on Sunday on Formula One, and I do want to see the race highlight. I'm 0% interested in what happened at the Kentucky Derby. Don't care. So, like, showing me that wastes my time. Also, you talk about contextual advertising. Sure. Contextual advertising creates, like, a some level of separation between, like, my data and the ad I'm seeing. But let's all get real. The videos you watch, I just said, are personalized. So a contextual ad within that is still personalized because the video itself is personalized. Like, come on, guys. Like, stop being like, you know what I mean? Like, I have I listen to people have these conversations and I'm like, are you even thinking about the words that are coming out of your mouth? Like we and and we're not going to YouTube kitten. YouTube is my is to, to me a good example because the videos are long term commitments, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Random YouTube video recommendations is not going to be a good experience for anybody, period. I rely on it. I mean, I, I need it. I need it. And I, I need it. I need it. Same thing with Facebook Watch. Same thing with my Facebook feed. Same thing with Instagram. Same thing with obviously TikTok. Like, you know, 
it's 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 a beautiful thing. Now we need to do when I say we, I mean everybody. We need to do a better job at it, and we need to be more transparent about how we decide what's personalized, and we need to not use certain things to personalize, and we need to give people more freedom and choice about how things are personalized, so they can decide for themselves a little bit more instead of out, invisible math out there making the decisions. Um, totally on board for all of that, but like I reject the notion that personalization is inherently evil, and I think. Fighting that battle, I'm excited over the next five to ten years. It's interesting. Why do you want to? What do we want to end on here? Do you want to talk about how we both love Crocs? Um, <laughs> we, I do love Crocs, and we got we're working on getting somebody from Crocs on the pod. I got some I bad news fun. for you. Oh no, he he doesn't want to be on the show. Oh no, so we have to find another. If you're out there, anyone at Crocs that wants to join the show. Oh no! We asked one person. He's not. He's not into podcasting, which is fine. Uh, but well, he's too. I love how like now Crocs is so VIP. They're above podcasting, but I get it. They're fat. They're fashion. <laughs> they're a high fashion house. For clarity, um, for clarity, he did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we'll find somebody from Crocs. It'd be super cool. And um, we do love Crocs, and I do wear them often, and I don't apologize. Um, but I'll tell you what I want to end on, man. Um, Anyone who's watching this episode and has watched others, fucking thanks for rocking with us, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. super appreciate you spending some time with us. We try to make this interesting and 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 valuable. Maybe not so much in a homework study sense, but in a good experience sense. And I hope you enjoy it. And, and we're going to keep it fresh and, and do cool shit in season four and five. And shout out to all those people who have like reshared and re-promoted. And this guy, Jeff Jockish, who has like a list of... of uh, yeah. Shout out to Jeff. Yeah. Pri privacy podcast and put us on it. Like all the all those people that are like amplifying some of the stuff. Um, it's awesome. We it's really cool. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks to all our friends who joined the pod and like just hung out with us in the the darkest period. Well, in dark periods and dark times, um, especially in the mix of the pandemic. And like, um, yeah, man, we'll keep we'll keep doing this as long as people are interested. So thank you. Speaking of, of being on the other side of or closing in on the other side of COVID for live events, one thing I do want to commit to right here is we're going to have a data protection breakfast club podcast, some event around the IPP summit in DC. We're like, it's either going to be a happy hour or a breakfast or something like we're going to do something. And so like, we got to pump it, <laughs> start pumping it now. Let's do it, man. And I'll get some budget for us on this. Let's do it. It's the right thing. And look, and I, uh, you know, we, we we thanked our friends, we thanked our viewers. I'm gonna uh, shout out to Alice, okay? Like you guys do, like, and Gonzo, and all the folks on your team that do the hard work yep. to make this happen. And um, and shout out to Facebook for trusting me to come on here every week and talk my shit. And look, I've only gotten encouragement. I've been told to, you know, keep freewheeling and being yourself, and that, that's why I was hired. And 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 uh, I love you that. know. They've, they've been nothing but supportive and have provided zero feedback on content, um, which to me is important. Everything I say here is whatever the hell I want to say. And um, shout out to Facebook for letting me do that. Love it. I love that. So and much. shout out to Alice for making this all happen. Alice, Gons, 
uh, Sarah Pion, who Sarah, who yes, of course, so oh much God. work uh, promoting it. MK, our head of marketing, who like staunch advocate of the show. So like, yeah, she helped us design this thing. Like, yep, uh, Rachel Bentley does all the like graphics and stuff. Like, more people are working on it than than you know. Then, I want uh, all their names. You and I talking. Just you and I talking. Yeah, let's get the credits at the end and make sure all those folks you just read off are are on those credits, whether they like it or not, because they deserve it. And um, this would be total trash without them. Let's end be me and you we'll being annoying. Yeah. All right. All right, bro. That note, here we are and here we're going. All right. <laughs> we're gone. <laughs>